1: Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Clarity Christian College, formerly known as Florida Bible College. Listen now as Stan makes it clear.
2: You know what gossip is? Gossip isn't telling a lie, that's slander. Gossip is telling part truth, part lie, exaggerating taking things out of control. Even the tone in which we say that. You really think she meant that? Yeah. That little bit of gossip is like a spark that can begin to burn quite quickly and ruin relationships. It has ruined reputations. It has ruined companies. It has ruined churches. It has ruined families. One little word spun with a little bit of tone can bring great destruction. I almost had that happen with carol and me many years ago i was in houston tech and while i was there I was at a bill gothard conference on uh, how to have healthy families and all of that as a pastor i brought a boatload of our leaders over this and a pastor friend of mine that i've known since so before i was married actually he came up and he said stan i want you to know something that someone came to me and told me that uh, you and carol are divorced that that made me i mean i went white i went nauseous and I said, Well, what did you say? I said, No, they're not divorced because Carol is speaking at our ladies' conference back in San Antonio while you're over here. And so I'm okay because this pastor knew the story that we're not, we're not, you know, we're fine. What I'm more concerned about is who else did that person say to that pastor the same thing, where my reputation is sullied around the country maybe. One word, one spark can destroy a lifetime of a career or relationship. It's a very dangerous thing. Then we think of, what else do we fear besides fire? We fear poison, don't we? Now I mean think about it, poison. How many of you are very careful as parents to make sure that all your cleaning products, even though they might not be poisonous, they can certainly make kids sick if it's not right. So you lock them up, snap the doors, put it up high, whatever you do. How many of you women, I don't mean to marginalize women, I think there are men that are this way too, but how many of you women are very fearful of snakes? Well, that just made some of you go <laughs> Aren't we glad we live in Hawaii that we don't have any poisonous snakes? I read this last week. San Antonio, not not Hawaii, San in a suburb, like in your little neighborhood, not out in the country, the family came running out because their pets were howling. Two of their pet dogs were attacked by rattlesnakes. $5,000 to help save the two little pet dogs. But that wasn't the real problem. The real problem is when the youngest child ran out and saw the disfigurement of the pet's That the child passed out and they had to rush the child to the hospital thinking that the child might be overcome with hysteria another story in phoenix may 5th four people one city one day bitten by rattlesnakes one stepped out on the front porch the rattlesnake grabbed its heel didn't even hear the rattle another one was hiking rattlesnake bang another one gardening bang the fourth one was petting the rattlesnake he had too much to drink. Now, we're chuckling about this now. But I want you to know poison is a very dangerous thing. Now, in this context, it is talking about poison is bad. It's talking about the tongue is like fire is bad. But in reality, fire is not bad. And in reality, poison is not bad. What it is is what you do with it that makes it good or bad. Our tongue is not bad. Don't look at this thing. It is nothing more than an organ. That I can talk all right? That's all the. Visit. It's what I do with my tongue. So with fire, I'm going to tell you, don't we all enjoy it when we are cold? Especially those of you that live where there was blizzards and snow that you just couldn't wait to get into the house and you tell your husband, please warm up the car before I get in it, you know? Because we like where it's warm, when it's done right. We don't want to be in a burning car or a burning house. And for poison, poison is is useful. Carol and I don't have much of a backyard. We have just large enough to say we have a backyard, got beautiful grass there, I can mow it in about 10 minutes or less. I like my backyard. I can say I have a backyard, but I don't have to use a riding mower on it. I look at that backyard and it's so pretty, but this year it got bugs. And I'm looking at this whole backyard, just something is eating my grass. I've done, I fertilize it, I water it, I almost pray to it, you know I mean? I've taken care of this thing, but it's dying. So I asked somebody, what's my problem? He said, you got chinch bugs. So you got to put something in there. So I went to Home Depot. I got the stuff. I sprinkled it around there. When you come by our house right now, that grass looks almost like a putting green. It's beautiful back there. Now you know what did it? Poison. Used in the right amount. For the right reason. At the right time. And so that's not necessarily the bad. It's what you do with it that makes it bad. And so this time, fire and poison will destroy us physically. Our tongue and what we do with it can destroy relationships and destroy our relationship even with the Lord. We don't use it to bring honor and glory to Him. How important that is. But I might use this phrase, if you look at the passage again, it talks about this fire and the great fire, this will. Do you remember, some of you that are older, do you remember on television, there used to be a TV show that came come on as a special, it was called Dean Martin's what? celebrity roast. How many remember that? You young people, Dean Martin was a weird comedian. He he had his own issues. But periodically, he would have what they call a celebrity roast. Now usually when you toast someone at a wedding, you say nice things about them. You, you, You praise them. You affirm them. You say things to other people about how that person added value to your life. That's a toast. You kind of toast. Wish them well. They change it into a roast. And so all these comedians would pick up one celebrity, put him out here on the stage, and they'd all tell stuff about this guy in a sarcastic, funny way to kind of drag him down. It was called a celebrity roast. We kind of see that going on now. That's similar to the use of the tongue, where we roast that other person. We bring them down instead of building them up so we don't use it in the proper sense as it should have been used. Now notice it says here, look at the passage, it says, "...and sets on fire the course of nature." You might want to circle that course of nature. When you think of the course of nature, you think of the progress of nature. First, it starts here, and then it goes here, and then it goes here. So it's a, it's a process of nature. It's like we would call it the balance of nature. And so what this does through nature, things begin to happen. Remember how I told you a moment ago that a, a word can destroy a relationship? Sometimes it could... That one relationship that's destroyed will affect Another relationship, and another relationship, and another relationship. You, you parents, you family members, would you mind listening to me for just a moment? I want to say something to you, and I want, to, I, want to, I want you to know I'm going to wrap my arms around you. Pretend right now that I'm hugging you, but I want to say something that is pretty characteristic. If the wife, and I'm just using wife as an illustration, could be the husband too, and usually it's two people, but let's say the wife is, is speaking negatively about the husband to family friends, to the kids, knocking them down, or the husband is speaking down about the wife, belittling the wife, pointing out all all of her weaknesses, and they're doing this back and forth. The course of nature then is... The kids pick up this critical spirit. They start looking for flaws in Mama because Dad did or Daddy because Mama did. And so they start picking out all the flaws. And then pretty soon they get this critical, sarcastic spirit with their tongue and they start using it on one another. And then when you get around that family, there's nothing but dirt. Nothing but demoralization in their conversation going on. The same way that Mom and Dad were talking about each other, when these kids begin to grow up, They begin to talk about their mate that way. And then these parents over here are wondering, how come my grandkids show no respect? It's because it's all a chain. It's the course of nature. On the other hand, wife is looking to the husband, saying words of affirmation, words of comfort, words of encouragement, and very gently, words of correction at the right time, tone, technique. The husband over here is recognizing how sweet and tender his wife is, as the weaker vessel, not weaker in that she can't accomplish things, but as a, a delicate instrument and is very kind in how he says what he needs to say. The kids are watching this and they're thinking, man, that's so neat. Just like they learn to talk to one another, dad talks to me that way. And mom talks to me this way. And I'm able to talk to my brother and sister this way. And now the course of nature could be set in the proper direction. That's the course of nature. Let's look at another phrase here. It says that this tongue out of control is set on fire by hell. That that hardly makes a whole lot of sense, does it? I I think this would be a good way. It works for me to apply it this way. Have you ever been, and I'm talking to you pastors, when you're counseling somebody, and the husband and the wife are in your office, and he says, and she does this. And then she says, and he does that. And then she does this. And then... quote, all hell breaks loose. Some of you guys are smiling. You've seen that happen. Now, some of you that aren't in counseling, you don't see that happen. But have you ever been in a meeting, whether it's a public town meeting or whether it's a committee meeting that you're all talking, but all of a sudden someone says something. Here's the phrase, an inflammatory word or an inflammatory statement. They're using inflammatory language. Have you ever seen the conversation that's getting tense in there and all of a sudden someone just happens to say just the wrong thing and the crowd erupts? Again, that would be set on fire of hell. It's like all hell breaks loose. Everything that could divide and destroy breaks loose. So my tongue gives me direction. My tongue also can destroy what I have. He who guards his mouth and his tongue guards his soul from troubles. Let's look at one last one now, and that's my tongue displays who I am. Look at this passage. Here's what it says. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening or the same source? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives or a grapevine? bare figs, thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh water." So here's what it is, my friends, and that's simply this. When we speak, we really reveal who we are. It displays what kind of a person we are. Matthew says this, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. What's in the heart, the mouth will speak. It reveals our character. It's kind of interesting. How many times we can come to church and we are singing these songs. It's a meditative song. It's a, it's a song that gets me to really center down on God. And in my heart of hearts, we're worshiping the Lord. And then we finish with the service. We get in the car. We've done what we needed to do here. We packed up the kids. We're now over here at the very first light. And you're arguing about where you're going to go for lunch. You know, some of you are laughing because that probably happens. How many of you have said this, okay, we're at church now, smile, smile face, put on your church face, you know, smile, you know, and so, oh, how you doing, you know, and what's happening is that out of our mouth we have blessing and we have cursing. And it ought not so to be. So here's our real problem, folks. The real problem is a heart problem. It's not a tongue problem, it's a heart problem. Now, when I talk about the heart, I'm not talking about the pumping organ, kids. I'm talking about the center of your soul, the part of you that you use to think with, to reason with. It's the real you of you. It's your heart. It's who you are. And I wonder how sometimes why it's like that. But it does come out of us that way, and it's not right. Let me quickly give you now some of the solutions on this so you could see where this comes from. The remedy is that we need to get a new heart. We need to have a new heart. Now, you can't get a heart transplant, but if you trust Christ as Savior then I want you to know that you are born again and you have a new nature within you and that new nature comes with what we might call a new heart. Look what Ezekiel says in the Old Testament. He says, Cast away from you all the transgressions which you committed and get yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. Well, that's a good command, but now how do you do that? Well, you come to the Lord and you say, Lord, I'm a sinner and I have a problem with my tongue and I want to get this thing corrected because I know it's going to set the direction of my life. It's going to destroy what I have. And at the same time, it displays who I am. And so, Lord, I need a new heart. And so he quickly comes along and he says, here's how you do it. You get born again. Look at John chapter 3, verse 7 and 15. It says, do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. That born again means you get that new nature, a new heart. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So you get a, a new heart. And that happens when you trust Christ as Savior. You know that you're going to have a heart problem when the following things occur. You have a heart problem when you're a person with a harsh tongue that means you have an angry heart. Your person with a negative tongue, you have a fearful heart. A person with an overactive tongue has an unsettled heart. They don't know when to land the plane, so to speak. They're still trying to figure out how they can get it all said. They haven't thought it all out. A person with a boasting tongue has an insecure heart, overcompensates by bragging. A person with a filthy tongue has an impure heart, using profanity, sexual innuendos. A person who has a critical heart is someone that's bitter. On the other hand, a person who is always encouraging others is generally very happy and wants to bring joy to others. A person who speaks gently is one who really loves and is tender. A person who speaks truthfully is one that has within him a heart that's really honest, has a God-filled heart within him, will speak the truth, but will speak the truth in love because they really care for the other person. So, you need a new heart. It's not that hard. You come to the Lord and you say, "Lord, I need a, I need a do over right now. I messed up this part of my life. I realize my tongue is going to hurt others. I know, Lord, that the tongue and the hearts of others have hurt me, and I want to start over. I need I need I need power to start over. I need I need a new heart." And the Lord says, "That's okay. I'm in the business of giving you a new heart. If you'll come to me, realizing that you're a sinner, you need my forgiveness, my power." You want me to come into your heart, into your life. You are born again. You have this new heart. Just simply trust me as the one who died and rose again. Don't come to me promising me you'll start this and stop that and do all of this. You come to me a broken person that's out of control, that wants to start and begin new all over. A new heart. The second is we need to ask God help every day. Now, that's for those who know Christ as Savior. Now, why would you ask God for help At the same time, you won't trust him as your savior. So first, you trust him as savior. After you trust him, now you say, okay, Lord, you gave me a new heart. Now will you help me? Look at Psalm 141. It says, set a guard over my mouth. O Lord, keep watch over the door of my lips. And so now you're going to say, Lord, will you help me? May I encourage you to do this? Some of you are really leaning into this message, and I want you to know that you are encouraging me more than you'll ever know. Because you're sensing, I want my tongue not to be a weapon or a toy. I want my tongue to be a tool. Now here's what you'll want to do. As you begin the morning, before you say your first audible word, before you display your first nonverbal but communication to someone else, you lay in bed when that alarm rings and it... Lord, I want you to take my heart. I want it to be a humble, broken heart. I want it to be a heart that loves you. I want it to be a heart that wants to build up other people. A heart that praises you. And so, Lord, will you prompt me, before I say something, would you now take my tongue and use it as a tool to build someone else into a relationship with you? Now, I'm going to tell you, try that. You try that for one week. By you constantly going to the Lord, it will help you. Now, watch, watch. Now you're busy, there's nobody around, the office is empty, people are outside, etc. But you know you're going into a meeting. You say, okay, Lord, I want my heart right with you. I want my tongue to be words that will build up you. As I go into this meeting, I'm going to sit there. I'm going to realize that I'm going to have to give an account of every word that I say. So, Lord, I'm asking you, help me. When you have got to go to someone that you have got to correct instead of shooting from the hip with all of your words, doing damage as a gunslinger, instead of as a surgeon who sees someone that has a need and you want to take out the bad or to put in the healthy, that you now take and say, Lord, use my tongue as a tender scalpel to add value. So, Lord... Give me your tongue. You ask the Lord. You do that for just one week. You will see the results of doing this so quickly before God that it will begin the motivation for you to continue. Watch this, watch this. If you live a life of doing this for one month, you will be amazed at how that it will so set your mind that almost any time you're going to be around public, You don't have to remember to ask God. It'll come naturally. Lord, help me now. Let me use my tongue. I want my tongue to praise you. I want my tongue to reach out to others to help them. You're going to find that it begins to happen. And If I just had one dedicated guy and one dedicated gal in here, my sermon today would mean all the world to me that you were touched by it. But if we had a church like that, we would be so different because we wanted our tongue not to be a weapon, or a toy, but a tool. And here's the third thing, and that is to think before you speak. You know, we can ask God all that we want, but it's not like God's going to take my tongue. It's we, he gives us wisdom. He gives us promptings. He reminds us. He teaches us. But we have to think before we speak. J. Sedlow Baxter wrote this. It was really cool. Here's what he wrote. The proof that God's Spirit is in your life is not that you speak in an unknown tongue, But you control the tongue you do know. The use of what you do know. Not how much you speak words that you don't know. So think before you speak. It says everyone should be quick to listen. Slow to speak. Slow to become angry. Oh, just for a moment. Just to think. right, Lord. I asked you for wisdom. Should I say anything? Is this the right time to say it? Is my tone right and what is the right technique in other words do I speak the language in which the other person could hear me timing tone technique new heart ask God think before I speak humbly enjoy the benefits now, not every time you do that, the people are going to say, whoa, wise one. It's not going to happen that way. Some of you can do all the right stuff and you're just going to have to say, Lord, I did the best I could with what I had <laughs> with the person to whom I had to do it with. And Lord, I gave it all to you. But here's what I can promise you this. When you put your head on the pillow at night, you will know that by God's grace and by God's power, for God's glory, you tamed your tongue. And if nobody else pats you on the back, you know the Lord is saying, well done, my good and faithful son and daughter. You have spoke well. Let's pray, shall we? With every head bowed and every eye closed. I know this is kind of a tougher message sometimes to hear, but no tougher than it is to preach. But right now the Lord is looking into our hearts. He's sensing which ones in here are saying, yep, I'm ready to go to another level. I know that my tongue has been used sometimes for deceit. My tongue has been used for silliness. My tongue has been used for profanity. I hate that. I hate that I said words that emotionally destroyed my mate, my family, my brother, my sister, my kids, my parents, my grandparents, the people with whom I work, socialize with, neighbors, the people even that are in this room. And so, Lord, I'm hurting right now. I, I know I could blame them. They set me off. But... It's me, Lord. I lost control. And so, Lord, I'm coming to you right now, and I need a Savior. I need your forgiveness. And so, Lord, I I come to you not promising you that I'll start this or stop that, but I'm coming to you as a broken individual. And I'm going to the only one who can forgive me of all my sin for all my life. You died and you rose again, and I'm accepting you as my Savior. And I want to thank you for forgiving me of my sin And particularly, my heart that was wicked and deceitful of all things. And from it came words that destroyed and didn't build up. Now going to heaven is not something you do. Going to heaven is something that Jesus did for you on the cross. And what you're doing now is receiving what he is giving to you. It's the gift of forgiveness and a home in heaven and a relationship with him. And you receive it by faith in Jesus Christ. He wipes your slate clean. You have eternal life. You have a new heart, a new power source, a new reason to speak better. How many of you would like to have prayer that you would use the one tongue to speak your praises to the Lord in that one tongue to add value to others? Let's together use our tongue now as a tool to bring glory and honor to the Lord. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that we have been blessed with the ability to speak, for we do know that there are those that are mutes that do not have that ability to speak for whatever reason or lost their ability. But Father, that when we communicate with our tongue or as we type on a computer or write a note to someone, that our words would be words that would... Minister grace to the hearer. And that, Father, we realize that we can often communicate as much, good or bad, by our bodily movements. And so help us now to match what we say and how we say it through our nonverbal communications. That our tongue is a tool now to build up others. In Jesus'
1: name. This is Joe Pons, and I want to thank you for listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries and president of Clarity Christian College. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the word of God with clarity into every person's world. It's the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible.